0: And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the stands on, but we want to be as biblical as possible. And we're asking that you would just open up the scriptures, that you would give us clarity, that you would give us discernment, that we could stand where the Bible stands and that we could just fall more in love with you. Thank you so much for you being the God who loved us so much that you died for us. And that you have so much desire to use us and and to be a blessing to us. We're asking that you would just, even now, make this understood. Lord, I understand my own physical inability, my mental inability. Lord, I need you. I need you. So the best that I know how, I surrender myself, my thoughts, my health, my throat, my words, my ambitions, my goals anything, I give them all to you. And I ask that you fill me with your precious spirit and that you would get your own work accomplished through your word tonight. Thank you again for you loving us so much. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you don't mind, looking once again in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, and we're going to see as we read these verses again that there are actually two different uh, events that are occurring that we want to cover. Notice with me in Revelation 19, notice with me in verse number um, seven again. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Why? For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they that are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God." What we see here is that there are two specific and different events that are occurring that we have to understand. Sometimes when people interpret prophecy, they put these two events together, and that gives them a little bit of a false view or a skewed view of this important event. What we see that, first of all, in verses 7 and 8, we see what is covered, the marriage of the Lamb, and in verse number 9, we see the marriage supper. Of the lamb. Those are two different events. For example. Let's say that someone was to get married. We would go up. And we would have the bride. Come down. Walk down the aisle. All beautiful. They would come down. The preacher would give a message. And then say wilt thou. And the groom would say wilt. And the bride. They said wilt thou. And the bride would say wilt. And those two would get married. And that would be the marriage of the lamb. Then after that. What is usually happens in some cultures, including our own, is that afterwards at a different time and sometimes a different place, they would have a wedding reception where they would celebrate the marriage that would occur. And so sometimes that would be immediately after. Sometimes it would be that evening. Sometimes it was just enough time to drive from wherever it was at to whatever. And so what we would see is that there were two different events. The first event would be the marriage of the lamb. And then afterwards, sometime later whether it was a short time or (laughs) a different time, but still associated with it, would be the marriage supper of the lamb, where there would be guests in attendance to go ahead and celebrate the marriage of the lamb and his bride. And we're going to take apart, I'm just giving you a quick overview here, that there are two different events. The timing of these events would be an or important, that the marriage of the lamb would happen immediately after the rapture. So immediately after the rapture, one of the events that happened before the tribulation would be the marriage of the lamb. We would see the marriage of the lamb. Then what we see in the book of Revelation chapter 19, we see the marriage supper of the lamb. That what happens is that after the marriage, in fact, notice with me in verse number 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come that phrase is come is a very important verse or a phrase it carries the idea of a completed act so the marriage of the lamb is come meaning it's already passed and what is happening is that they're announcing the bride and groom Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. We'll get to that in just a second. But then we see here, Is that he saith unto me in verse number 9. Blessed are they that are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. So these are two different groups of people. Who would be part of the marriage. And then those who are called to the marriage supper. And so with that in mind. Trying to distinguish that these are two different events. Let us now take the time to identify each of these two groups. The first thing I'd like to show you is the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb. Now the Bible is very clear in identifying who is the bride at this time. The bride according to the word of God in several passages is the church. It is the church. Now we got to define our terms again. What do we mean by church? A lot of people have different ideas of it. We understand that the word church used in the Bible carries the idea most of the time. It's used 115 times, 112 of those times is used for the idea. Of a local church. Meaning you could write a letter to it. You could send a postcard to it. You could go to the address of it. The church that is at Corinth. The church that is at Rome. The church of Jerusalem. And so most of the time that the word church is used. Is used for the idea of a local church. However the one time that it is not used. In the idea of a local church. Or an institutional sense. Would be the one time. That all the saints are gathered In heaven. And that is also referred to as the church. That one they're gathering together for a common purpose. And so it's used the idea for the saints up in heaven. So what we understand here is that during the rapture. Those who have ever accepted Jesus as their savior will be caught away. Then afterwards they'll be judged at the bema seat of Christ for their works and their motives. Then the bride would be presented in marriage to Jesus Christ. Who's all involved here? Now, this is where we want to cover these specific events. We understand that the church age, which is the time that we're living in, has a definite beginning and a definite end. When did the church begin? The church began with Christ and his disciples. And of course, we understand they were empowered at Pentecost, but the church began with Christ And his disciples. That Jesus Christ started the first church. That was Jesus Christ. That was the beginning of what we would call the church age. Then we understand that in our future. The church age will have a definite end. And that is the rapture. The rapture is the end mark. It is the bookend. It is the ceasing. It is the stopping ...of the church age. And so if you were going to draw it out... ...you could draw a line and almost do a timeline... ...put blocks on either side of the line. When did the church start? That is a definite beginning. It's Christ and his disciples. The church age ends with uh, the rapture, the calling away. And so this helps us to define our terms... ...of who's all involved with this time... And it's anyone who accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior between those two lines. Between Jesus and the, uh, beginning the church with his disciples all the way to the rapture. Anyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior during this time frame is going to be part of the bride of Christ. The Bible explains a little bit more about the bride of Christ or shows the picture of it in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. If you don't mind, look, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Now, the reason why we're trying to make a big deal out of this is that, first of all, the Bible is silent uh, a lot, it doesn't take the time to explain. Who is the bride of Christ? The reason why is because it gives pretty much the idea that people would already know that those who were saved during the church age. We understand there are some people who would go outside of the Bible and give their own thoughts and opinions about who they think the bride of Christ is, and they want to make it more exclusive, but you cannot prove it from the Bible. What we could do is we can only stick with what the Bible says. The Bible does explain a little bit more the picture of who... <coughs> Uh, the picture of the church, rather. Notice with me in the book of Ephesians chapter number five. Ephesians chapter five. Notice with me in verse number 22. Ephesians five, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband's as unto the Lord, and the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, loved your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, And gave himself for it. That he may sanctify and cleanse it. With the washing of water by the word. That he may present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. Even as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourish and cherish it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and they shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let Every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, normally when we hit this passage, this is a passage that we would normally use for the idea of teaching on the home, and rightfully so. But the main primary emphasis that is being taught here is that God is using this as an illustration in our mind. So we can understand the relationship. Between Jesus Christ. And his bride. Which is the church. And that it has that same type of idea. That the wife is submitted to her husband. And the husband loves the bride so much. And that the the uh, um, the groom's job. Is to take care of. Of his bride. In such a way. Notice verse 26. That he may sanctify. And cleanse it. With the washing of water. By the word. That he may present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having spot. Or wrinkle. Or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. So what Christ's goal is, is to work with those in the church. Remember the church is not the four walls, but it's people making within the church. He wants to work within us and make it so that way instead of getting older and older and more and more wrinkles. We get less wrinkles. We become prettier and prettier and prettier. We become more youthful. As God washes us by the word. And that he cares for us. And he takes care of us. And he loves us. And we're so thankful for what he's done for us. And because we're so thankful. We want to serve him. And to love him. And to submit to him. Because he loves us so very much. And this is the picture and the idea. That he wants to get across. Is this relationship that Christ has with the church. Now. Again, we understand that the church age will have a definite end, and that will be with the rapture. That means anyone not within the church age will not be a part of the bride. All right, let's see how far you are in awake. We have Abraham who lived in the Old Testament. Will he be part of the bride of Christ? The answer would be no, because he does not fit within that time frame. Let's say that. Uh, We have Dr. Luke who was part of Paul's missionary team. Would he be a part of the bride of Christ? And the answer would be yes because he fits within that time frame. Of Christ and his disciples to the rapture. Let's say that someone gets saved tonight. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to see someone bow their head and accept Christ? Will they be a part of the bride of Christ? And the answer would be yes. Because they fit within the time frame of the church starting with Christ and his disciples. And it's before the rapture hits. Let's say when the tribulation happens. Will they be a part of the bride of Christ? The answer would be no because it happens after the rapture. So does that make sense? So those who are within the bride of Christ are those that came to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior within the time frame of the church age which began with Christ and his disciples and ends with the rapture, the calling away of the church. Does that make sense? Now, we want to keep things as simple as possible, and that is the simplest explanation from the Bible of what the Bible says who is the bride of Christ. Now, <laughs> as we turn to this other chapter we understand the wedding happens in heaven Uh, after the rapture in revelation chapter four we that's the time frame of the bride of christ now after the tribulation the seven years are up now jesus christ is going to present his bride to the world turn back with me to the book of revelation chapter number 19 revelation chapter 19 (coughs) now Notice with me in Revelation chapter 19, we can see that there are some more people that are involved inside of this wedding party, inside of this wedding supper, that we have guests there who are going to observe. Notice with me in the book of Revelation 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now, once again, we see the idea that this this bride here is the saints. They're robed, they're saved, they're robed in white array. They're presented before the world, verse number nine. And he saith unto me, write, blessed are they that are called... Unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me. These are the true sayings of God. And so what we see here. Is that there are more people involved. So who are these guests? Well this event will involve Israel and will take place on earth. Now, this is important. We just said that the marriage of the lamb is going to take place in heaven. So, two different locations. The marriage is up in heaven, Revelation 4 is going to be that time frame. Then in Revelation 19, it is now brought to earth. It's a different location. And now on earth, the The groom and the bride are going to be presented and there are going to be guests. Now most people who study this subject believe that the Old Testament saints, even though they're included in the rapture, they are not going to be a part of the bride. The reason why is because they were not saved within that time frame. However, they're going to be present and they are going to be guests Of the groom. They're going to be invited to witness this. The Bible actually says this. In a couple different ways. If you don't mind. Look with me in the book of John. The gospel record of John chapter number 3. And let's look and see what John the Baptist has to say. Now we understand that John the Baptist. Was a very important person. And the. uh, The Jesus himself said there was no man like this on all of the earth, John, that he was the greatest. That's pretty high praise for Jesus to call someone the greatest. In John chapter 4, or John chapter 3 rather, John chapter 3, let's see what, is said here as people come up to John afterwards and they're asking him questions. Who was this Jesus guy? Who was this guy that you just got through baptizing? John chapter 3, and pick it up in verse 25. John chapter 3 and verse 25. And there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi... He that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given from him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, is therefore fulfilled. What John the Baptist is saying here, and let's read it off, let's, verse 30, he must increase But I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. And he that is of the earth is earthly. And speaketh of earth. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. He says let me tell you about Jesus. He says first of all you heard me say. I'm not the Christ. I'm just the guy preparing the way. I'm the guy who came before Christ. But let me tell you about Jesus. He says, "He that hath the bride is the bridegroom." Now we understand that. You have the bride, which is an important part of the wedding, right? Very important. If you don't have the bride, you don't have much of a wedding. And the guy who marries the, the bride is going to be the bridegroom. He's going to be the groom. Now he's important. But notice John in verse 29 says, "And he that hath the bride is the bridegroom." But the friend of the bridegroom. Now he's going to identify himself as this friend. So the friend of the bridegroom. Which standeth and heareth him. Rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy is therefore fulfilled. He says the guy who hears the groom. Is going to rejoice. And he says that's me. I'm rejoicing. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I'm the friend. And I'm so happy. That the bridegroom is getting married. I'm so glad my friend is getting married. Oh I'm glad I'm rejoicing for this. So what we understand here. Is that John the Baptist. Is not a part of the bride. He is a part of the bridegroom. He's the bridegroom's friend. He, He is part of what is considered, as you divide up the New Testament, he's still part of that Old Testament economy. He's still part of that Old Testament world. And so John identifies himself as not as part of the bride, but as part of the bridegroom. He's a friend of the groom, and he's rejoicing that his friend, the groom, has gotten married, and he is so happy that this is a fulfilled. Now, this isn't the only place that this is explained this here. Now, we believe that the Old Testament saints, they are going to be part of the guest. We also believe that during the tribulation, those people who get saved during the tribulation, they also will be the guest during the time of the wedding supper of the Lamb. That they're not part of the church, but because the church age will be done, it's already raptured up. But they could be a part of the wedding party, meaning they're going to be a part of the guests. They're going to be there for the wedding supper. The wedding has already occurred before the tribulation, so they can't be a part of the wedding. But they could be a part of the wedding supper and rejoice during that time. Now, in Revelation nineteen 9, we've already read it a couple times. It says to call them to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Let's explain this a little bit more with the parables that Jesus himself gave. Turn with me to the gospel record of, of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. And when you understand these are kingdom parables, how do we know they're kingdom parables? Because he says the kingdom of heaven. These are, whenever you see the phrase kingdom of heaven, it's carrying the idea of the millennial kingdom. The kingdom that God is setting that's going to be like heaven. And Jesus himself explains it a little bit more in these parables. Notice with me, especially if we keep this in mind, we can see what is occurring. Matthew 22, Matthew 22, and notice with me in verse 1. Matthew 22 and verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. So once again, we have this same motif of a marriage. We have a king and the king wants to marry off his son. And there's going to be a marriage for his son. And he sent forth servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. So these are The word bidden carries the idea of invited. There are people who are invited to come to the wedding, that they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, and one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. So here's the case. Now we know that God is timeless and that God is preparing for the wedding yet to come, or the king is, and he's preparing the wedding for his son. So what he has done is that he has sent his servants. To the people round about. And the people that he's specifically addressing in this context is Jewish people. Now in the Old Testament isn't it not true that God sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet. To prepare them for things that are to come. Why don't you come? We're inviting you to come. We're inviting you to come. Why don't you get saved now and be a part of this? Why don't you come now? And we're bidding you. And when he sent servants, there's people that ignore them, people that said I got something better to do, and some that just killed the servants and said just leave us alone. Now notice what occurs more in this parable. Verse number 7. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Now we could see that happen in history. That what happened is that God sent servants, prophets to the Jewish people over and over again. Trying to get them. Come on, we want to invite you. We want to invite you. We want to invite you. And they refused to listen. And so the king went by and destroyed their cities. And we know that Jerusalem was destroyed twice. Both of them because of the rejection of the gospel. The rejection of God's calling to them. It was destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonians. And then once again in 70 AD by the Romans. Both of those events come because the Jewish people rejected God's offer to bid them to to come unto him. Notice as this parable continues on in verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. All right, so the wedding's already ready. The bride is there. The groom is there. The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden are not worthy. So he tried to invite the Jewish people before in the Old Testament, and they didn't come. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. Now we're coming to the tribulation period. In the tribulation period, once again, they're supposed to go out and win them to the Lord. Bring them in so they could see the wedding. So they could be bidden to the wedding. Go therefore into the highways and hedges, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So they're not going to be a part of the marriage. They're going to come be invited to the marriage supper specifically. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered them. All as many as were found, both good and bad. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see the guest, he saw there a man that had not on a wedding garment. Now, sometimes in those Old Testament or in the uh, ancient world, that the king would often encourage people to uh, wear their best for a wedding. And if not, they also had wedding garments provided for people. So that way they couldn't say, I didn't have anything to wear. So you just come, we'll provide something for you. Just come in. And so here is the wedding. You got the bride and you got the groom. They're both there. You have guests who are there to witness the events that are occurring. And there happens to be a guy who tries to sneak in without the proper attire. Without being robed in righteousness. Without being saved, if you would say. What happens to this man? Notice what happens. And verse number 12. And he saith unto him, Friend, how came thou in hither without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called... But few are chosen. And so here's a guy who tried to come in without being prepared. And because he wasn't prepared to come to the wedding. They cast him out. Now... Here, this is a parable that is trying to describe what the kingdom of heaven is. And he's dealing with the Jewish people, especially the Pharisees. Uh, verse 44 and 45 of chapter 21 shows that the Pharisees and the chief priests were talking to him. And he's answering their question. And he's basically saying, guess what? God is tried to, to bid you over and over and over. And you haven't received well, there's going to be a wedding one day, and we're going to give people in the tribulation another chance to come in. But you've been bidden, how come you haven't received? And Matthew chapter 25, we see another kingdom parable dealing with the same idea of a wedding. Notice this, if you don't mind Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now, let's define and describe what's going on. The bridegroom, they're waiting for the bridegroom, but it's not because they're going to get married to the same guy. That's not what God is teaching here. Back in those old days, you did not set up a time to be married. For example, you didn't say we're going to get married on December 6th at 1 o'clock. What would happen in those old days is that when two people were contractually ready to be married, you would have the bride stay here. The groom would say, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Then he is going to go to prepare a place. He would go and prepare a house, a home for the bride to live into. And as soon as the house was finished... The father would say, son, go get your bride. And no one knew when it would be. And so they always had to be ready. Now, not just the bride, but everyone in the wedding party had to be ready too. And so these virgins would be the wedding attendants to to uh, the ...to the gro- uh, sorry, to the bride. And so they're not the bride... ...but they're the bridesmaids. They're there to help. And they're important too... ...that the bride wants to have the bridesmaids available. And they had to be ready at a moment's notice. They had to be prepared... ...because they didn't know when the groom was going to come. They didn't have a wedding date... ...because if they had a date... ...they would just prepare the last minute... ...like most people do. This case, they had to always be ready. Notice with me if you don't mind... Now, remember, Matthew 25 is in the midst of what I've already taught you before. Uh, Just hit it on Sunday night or on Wednesday. Dealing with the idea that chapter 24 is dealing with the tribulation. Matthew 25 is a continuation of the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, explaining what happens afterwards. Right? So, we're uh, dealing with the idea of the end times, the tribulation, and the millennial kingdom. Chapter 25, verse 1 again. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels and their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and slept. So what happens is that you have ten virgins... Part of the wedding party. And five of them were wise and they filled it with oil. Now we understand that oil in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit. If we could say it this way, five of them got saved. The other one said, Ah, oh, we'll take care of it later, we'll take care of it later, we'll take care of it later. Well, wouldn't you know that the groom didn't come? We didn't know when he was going to be at. We waited and we waited and waited. And so while they were waiting, they slumbered and they slept and they relaxed. But guess what happened? Verse number six. And at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. So the, the groom is now come, and the whole town is shouting, yay, the groom has come, it's time for the wedding. Well, what's going to happen in verse number seven, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And they went out to buy, and the bridegroom came, and they were ready in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. So what happens is that it came at midnight, the darkest part of the night. And so... The five that were wise, they were getting ready to go. They trimmed their lamps, they're lighting it. They could go outside in the midst of the darkness with their lamps because they can see. The five foolish said, oh, no, give us some of that oil. We need to go too. No, no, we, don't. we want to make sure we have enough. You better go find someone who sells it because uh, we're not going to be late. <laughs> You're on your own. And so they, the, the five went with the groom and they marched into the wedding party. The other ones are searching. No, no, we can't go into the wedding without the lamps. We have to have the lamps. And they try to find someone. Finally, they rush to the, uh, where the place where the wedding is. And wouldn't you know, the door is shut. And they're not letting anybody in. Notice with me in verse number 11. Afterward came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. All right. now again we've already explained that this is a tribulation millennial kingdom passage. We've already explained before in previous messages that Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is primarily dealing with the Hebrew Jewish people. And that God's primary emphasis during that time is to reach the Hebrew Jewish people. And so knowing that they are the audience, they are the ones speaking of, we know that the audience here is part of the wedding party and not the bride herself. Now, I, again, what I'm doing is I'm trying to take my time to explain clearly who is the bride. Who is the bride? It is the church church. Those that are saved within what we call the church age. The church age began with Christ and his disciples and will have a definite ending at the rapture. The bridegroom is going to be Jesus Christ. And the wedding party will be the Jewish people who were in the Old Testament who got saved And those people in the tribulation, specifically the Jewish people who get saved after the rapture, but during the tribulation, they are going to be witnesses to the party. And then in Revelation chapter 9, 19, turn with me one last time, Revelation 19. With this in mind, knowing who the participants are, let's read this again and then we'll close it up. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, and notice with me... (laughs) In verse number nine, uh, verse seven, Revelation 19, in verse number seven. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. That phrase is come means it's already completed, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. This is the righteousness of Jesus Christ placed upon the saints. And verse number 9. And he saith unto me, Right. blessed are they that are called or bidden or invited into the marriage supper. Of the Lamb, not the marriage, but the marriage supper. These are the guests, and He said unto me, "These are the true sayings of God." And so, as we come here, we are just clearly explaining this end time event of the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Of the Lamb. Now, there's a couple applications. At first of all, we need to be very careful with dealing with others because there are others that teach. That you have to be a, certain, be a part of a certain church. That you have to be baptized a certain way by a certain person in order to be part of the true bride. Don't get fooled by that. We want to understand what the Bible says. The Bible says that anyone saved within that church age. Or rather we don't see any further evidence of any other identification of the bride. Then we understand who is the guest. The guest aren't those people who are not part of the right church. But rather the guest are the Old Testament saints. And those in the tribulation. They're going to be bidden. And they're going to be a part of us. Now how's an application for us here? Well first of all are you a part of the bride? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your personal savior? The second of all let's invite others to be part of the bride. Let them be part of the church meaning the church in this case is the institutional sense, the universal sense where we're going to stand, uh, all all the saints are going to be married. Let's invite people to get saved and be a part of it. And just to to present Jesus Christ, a glorious church, as it says in the book of Ephesians, chapter number five, that we need to be inviting people. They could be a part of this great event that's going to be a big part of all of history, so big that they're going to have a Thank party you for, for it. to this Let's audio message. This to is to be a a part Pastor of this, Scotty Bockhaus. To be a part and of I encourage you to take this our time information our that savings. you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness